0: Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez, From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez.
1: Hello, hello. I am broadcasting, pardon me, uh, I'm broadcasting from the Arcata Speakeasy in St. Charles. And there is still time to come join us for our comedy show tonight at 7.30. We'll be joined by Matt Torres and... Erica Nicole Clark. It was a wonderful show last night. Oh, my gosh, you guys. Packed house at the Bourbon and Brass in Des Plaines. We only had a few open seats. It was a, a wonderful evening of comedy. So thank you to everyone that came out. It was lovely to meet some of you for the first time. These folks are coming out to the comedy shows. So it's, a, it's wonderful. We had a great show. So I would love to see you. Tonight, again, we are at the Arcata Speakeasy in St. Charles. It's part of the Arcata Theater over here on Main Street in St. Charles. The show starts at 730 and a lovely room for enjoying an evening of dinner and cocktails and uh, and comedy of course and uh, then tomorrow night we'll be back at Bourbon and Brass in Desplaines. And then on Saturday, I'm actually going to be um, producing one show and uh, headlining another show. I'll be uh, producing the show back here at the Arcada. We'll have uh, again Adam Burke on Saturday and Erica Nicole Clark for the show at the Arcada. And then I will be at Salerno's in Oak Park, headlining over there at eight o'clock. So a lot going on this weekend. I will. I will be honest. I think I uh, I may have uh, burnt too many ends of my candles. I got I got a three ended candle. And uh, it's a lot going on, so if my voice sounds a little rough, uh, I had—I don't know if anyone else. I'm sure we have somebody out there that suffers from migraines. So I woke up this morning, uh, unfortunately, with one of my uh, migraines. I don't get as many as I used to when I was younger, but uh, today was a doozy, and uh, I'm still kind of recovering. I remember one time I was on the air at another station, and the I get auras. If you're not familiar with migraines, uh, some of us get these sort of like flashes, and I had like this these flashes around the periphery of my vision. As I was on the air, I was broadcasting from San Diego from the Re- Marine Corps Recruit Depot. And the, kind of the same thing, where I I'd bitten off a little bit too much. Uh, I was getting up at like 5.30 in the morning to kind of do these drills with the Marines, and I was on their schedule, but I was broadcasting <laughs> until 2 at night. And in the middle of my broadcast, um, my migraine set in. And if you're uh, a migraine sufferer, you know how horrifying that is because uh, it's hard to even talk because it's so painful. And having lights, looking at a screen, it was it was a nightmare. So fortunately, I've had enough time to rest today and uh, and get here to the Arcata. and I have three shows tonight. I have this show, these great conversations with you, and then I've got the comedy show, and then of course the virtual comedy show with Steve Goody and Bradley Tassel. Actually, I should men- I should text them and see if they want to jump on for the end of the show. We'll see. We'll see later. Today we are going to talk to uh, Kathy O'Neill about uh, the uh, food pantry that she works with and their holiday uh, their, their ho- holiday donation season. will. I hope we're talking to uh, Representative Stephanie Kifawit. Uh Yesterday we caught up with Jeremy Gorner with everything that's going on in Springfield, and I thought we would also talk to uh, Representative Stephanie Kifowit. We've been talking on the, on the air about uh, veterans' issues and uh, mental health issues, and I thought we'd t- just check in with her and see how we can help and how we can be aware of what can be ne- done next. And then we're going to check in with our friend. Friends from Be Right Be Right Cider. Be right, Be right Cider? Yes, I always get that one. So it's, it's a wonderful cider company uh, produced right here in Chicago. Um, Be Cider. It's Be Cider. And, uh, and our friends are celebrating their eighth birthday this Saturday, and we want to know all about that. So we're going to check in with Katie tonight at uh, at 630. Be it's right beside her. See, I, it, this, is, this is the migraine, folks. I'm just catching up a little bit, cutting through the fog. But, um yes, for folks who are asking, by the way, we are now driving it home until 7 o'clock. And the Devil's Advocates are up with Mike Crute at 7 o'clock. And you can still catch uh, Rick Smith. Uh, after that so uh, we are on until seven and thank you for all the kind words of people reaching out excited to have a little more time and uh, and I'm happy to be here as well I did get a, an email uh, we were talking a couple days ago a, a listener had called in and uh, was just uh, uh, how do you, he was racist, anti immigration, uh, a little bit ominously threatening. I, 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 thought I was just hearing it and, and Mirna and I agreed that there was a tone to it that kind of, uh, caught our breath a little bit, um, that, uh, was not appreciated. And another listener has, uh, emailed me and, and, said, you know, we talked a lot about it, but how do we, uh, talk about what to do next? How do we take care of, uh, people? How did that, I mean, how do we address it? What do we do to, um, To influence people, I guess. Here, this is the email I got, and I hope it's okay that I'm reading this on the air. Uh, One of our listeners, Al, says, uh, With all the conversation about Tuesday's bigoted caller, Ken... I didn't hear anything about the likely causes for his thinking and how to fix it. He sounded like a parrot of the right-wing media cult when talking about the Great Replacement Theory, yes, Judeo-Christian culture, assimilation, America First, and more. No one mentioned how pervasive the talk is from hosts and politicians on right-wing TV and radio. People are being brainwashed. We have a historic mental health problem. I'm mad at the people at the top of this pyramid funding and proclaiming this cultism for nefarious reasons." I, I just have hope that people like this can be knocked out of their trance. And that's, I think that that's what it is, is, is how do we, uh, and it's hard, right? Because I was, I was trying to be very patient with him on the phone. And it's its also, I have to protect my own mental health when it comes to having a conversation with somebody who yes, was thinly, Uh, with a thinly veiled threat against me and people like me who are proud of where our families come from whether it's Mexican or Ireland or of course as I mentioned yesterday Chicago and America all those things Uh, he was like you should be proud of where you are well I am those two things are not exclusive um, so, yes, Ken – and you're also right, Al. Ken may very well just be calling another station to brag about how he got on the air, and um, which, you know, if that's the, the kind of owning – because that's a lot of what they do is uh, they want to own the libs, and that's their only goal in life rather than finding ways to open their hearts. That's, and I don't know, Ken. I don't know how, I mean, I don't know, Al. I don't know how we soften people's hearts. We've talked about that before. Can people soften their hearts and listen to someone who is traumatized? Uh, by this kind of behavior and language, whether it is racism or sexual abuse and violence or uh the the things that really strike to the core of who some of us are, who many of us are because it can happen to anybody regardless of your gender race religion uh or or your personal safety and uh and i I really uh I really get um disheartened when I hear demands from people like Uh, You know, well, I I, we don't know the whole story, or uh, you know, that just sounds like someone who's whining or or whatever it is. Um, Soften your heart, and and the demands on those of us who are the targets of this kind of behavior are often made to do so much of the work. I'm tired, you guys. I don't know about you, and it's not just because I've been battling this migraine today. It's it is very. Hard work to keep showing up in the face of so many challenges that we have to endure. Um, As a woman, as a as a Latina, as uh, I'll tell you something, as somebody who speaks their mind, that's not people don't like that either. And so uh, I don't know the answer to your question, Al, but we can we will continue to uh, show up, and I'll try to find some folks who can talk about it. But uh, you know, how do we shake people loose from the trance of the cult or the brainwashing of? Uh, decades of right wing radio and television. We've talked about that too. We do need more Democrats and liberals to invest in media, to put their monies, money where their mouth is, in, and play the le- the long game. We are very much about uh, this issue now, and then we move on. And fortunately, that conversation that Joan was having with a young woman that works with the organization that, that has been doing tremendous outreach work with young voters, look, I know I don't want to wait for young people to take over, and we don't know that that's necessarily the, <laughs> the only, it's not, definitely not the only course but uh i was it was heartened by the conversation that they were having and that they they do seem to hopefully have the idea of the long game we need more people like that the federalist society uh people like uh Murdoch and Ailes, all these these guys have been playing the long game. Republicans have been investing in media. They've been investing in in uh, in the judicial system. They they have seen this result. This is what their plan was, was to have a majority on the Supreme Court. That's what they wanted. And, uh, and so that's that's part of uh, the thing is that we have to start thinking about the long game. Let's get to some of our callers. Uh, let's First, let's start with Ann from Sandwich. Hey, Ann, what's going on?
2: Hi, Patty. First, um, first I want to send a shout-out to Judy because I was in a bad mood yesterday, and she made me happy when I heard her voice.
1: Oh, so- <laughs> that's great. I
2: love her. So shout-out, Judy. So anyway, what I really wanted to talk about briefly was um, when on John's show, like right, right each, uh probably around four forty-five, he was speaking with her, her regular Thursday guest, the gentleman with the P- the PKO and I, thought it, I don't remember what the whole yeah newspaper is. i right, but I heard them talk. I heard him talking about the defacing of the Jewish cemetery and how yes. he felt that. Putting it all out there on the front page of the news it was a bad idea because it might encourage other people to behave that way. And you know, I I get that and I and I don't disagree with that. I mean I think that's a valid point. But what I wanna say is the man I love is Jewish. His his whole family is buried, you know, in a Jewish cemetery in Chicago. And if anybody defaced their grave, we would want that blasted all over the newspaper because maybe hopefully somebody would see the story and be like, you know what? I think I know who did that and possibly get the person. Yes. Yep. You know, putting it like back on the uh, back on page six or seven, like the gentleman said. No, then nobody's going to see it. Then they're going to get away with it.
1: I, I, I agree with you. I, I, you know, the, and because, and it's also to, uh, you know, encourage people to be aware of conversations they have with people, the energy in their community, because this happened in my son's school in 2015. Uh, Declan went to a, a, a school for children with autism, and the school was vandalized with swastikas and kill all the retards. And I, I apologize for using that word, but I have to because otherwise it's, you know, the Oh, yeah. And it was, nobody knew about it. We, the, you know, the, the neighborhood cleaned it up and moved on. And I thought, no, there's somebody out there that wants to do harm to children like mine that are spreading hate and anti-Semitism. And, uh, and this is on the rise. And, you know, to, that happened in 2015. And we, and they brushed it under the carpet. And I thought, well, this is going to continue to fester, right? So is the answer to just, you know, turn your back on it, or say. And to our listener Al, who asked about the the, the caller on on Tuesday, is it? You know, should I have not had him on the air? People do want to know that there are people like that, right? Right, right. I
2: mean, you know, because it was blasted like it was. As soon as as soon as I came across my newsfeed, the very first thing I did was check to make sure it wasn't the cemetery where our family is.
3: Right, I, right. I,
2: and simply, it wasn't, and I feel horrible for those families, you know, that have to take, have to endure that. But no, that has to be known. You know, how was the family yep. member not? You know, it, what if it was in our family, and it was on the sixth page, and we didn't see that, and our family, some was and we didn't know about it for six months. I mean,
1: well, yeah, was, and I understand Eric's point, right? And I understand Eric's point for not glorifying this and encouraging copycats. On the other hand, look... You know, my family has been touched by a very public tragedy and not saying Gacy's name doesn't make my tragedy go away or or soften it. Right. Seeing people who are drawn to those stories is painful. But, you know, then I'm here to talk about my family and tell my brother Mike's story. Right. And so, you know, why is it painful for the Jewish community? Of course, we know why. But this is you know, this this can go uh, in in another direction as well and talk about like what people have had to endure because we have Holocaust deniers. Now we can use this opportunity to educate younger people or those who are intolerant that this is dangerous.
2: Right. Exactly. I mean, he had a very valid point, but I just, you know, I don't know if he was kind of, you know, if he thought about it from the side of the, you know, from the other side. Right.
4: Right.
1: Yep, yeah, I, I appreciate your point, and uh, and thank you for for c- continuing the conversation with me, Anne. I really do, and and I and I'm sorry for anyone that's that is touched by this and hurt by it. And we should all and we should all feel empathy and want to know what to do to help. Thank you, Anne. Have, have a lovely evening. I think I lost you. Let's take a break here. I'll continue taking your calls. Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. Looks like the phone lines are full. Let's get to it more in a moment on Driving It Home with me, Patty Vasquez.
0: Because facts matter. You are listening to WCPT eight twenty. You are listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. in your
1: communities in Chicago
0: on WCPT eight twenty.
1: Hey, hey, our phone lines are full. Let's get to uh, let's get to our calls. We've got uh, our let's let's get to uh, the Mirna on this topic. Hey, Mirna, what's on your mind, Mirna? Am I on the air? Do we have mirna Oh, it's okay. That's right, Mirna. Let's get to uh, from. Let's get to Dave from Hoffman Estates.
5: Hey, Dave. Uh, hey. Yeah. Before I get, How you doing? Before I, I get, what I talked about um, when you were mentioning about the the other day, got to thinking there was a, a friend of mine um, from that McDonald's group. He since passed on, but he was a uh, of uh, Irish and Polish extract. And he married a lady that was Mexican. And I asked him one time, I says, did you get a lot of uh, blowback, you know, by your parents or vice versa? Because, you know, being not of the same. He said, no. He said, actually, it was the kids in school that gave his kids a hard time. I found that odd, you know, because they got married. It would have been right around the early 60s, probably, you know. So Right. But um what I was going to mention was on on uh, Nancy Pelosi, you
1: know? Oh, yeah? Was, She'll no longer have a leadership right, role. Yeah. yeah.
5: There was the the right person at the right place at the right time.
1: Oh, no but, kidding.
5: You know, thank God we had Nancy Pelosi in charge of the House, especially those last couple of years, you know? Could you imagine mm-hmm. Gumby McCarthy as Speaker of the House on January 6th? Man, he would have held doors open. And, <laughs> yeah, really. And as we saw yeah, documentary from her yep. daughter, you know, that oh. she was cool oh. Under, oh, yeah. under pressure like that. I mean, people are screaming, you know, for her. And she was cool under pressure, seemed even more so than Chuck Schumer, it seemed like. And, uh, and then she was even concerned for that Snake Pence that time, telling him on the phone to get, you know, make sure you get into safety or whatever and all of that stuff. And, you know, she right. had a, she had an iron will, you know, and exemplified what, kind of what uh, General M- Douglas MacArthur said in his farewell speech that time. Duty, honor, country. And and then kids and everything, family, but, uh, and she's been all of that, you know, and, and then some. And I see where the other um, uh Steny uh, Hoyer, and that they're following suit, and two, uh, they're kind of stepping down a little bit, making room for the new Centurions and to come in. You know.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now I think it's, and this is what we talk about: is that long game, and focusing on the young, the youth in our uh, our legislative branches is important.
5: Yeah, yeah, and yep. on a flip side, with these Republicans, you know that the big thing they're going to start with these uh, subpoenas and everything. Well. Should we not do the same thing they did and uh, obfuscate and stall and sue them? You know for the same you know the same thing. I'm bet you the law right. will be a whole lot different. You know <laughs> when they come in, it'll be you know the it will be like about a two day trial or something.
1: And yeah, uh, it's gonna be a slog though too. Yeah. Yep.
5: <laughs> and and I was listening this morning where Kelly <laughs> Hog or whatever that guy he was saying about like you know the, you know he's handled that stuff in New York and, I, and he's saying that that it should be going by now already too long in that and that by the time they see a grand jury we're going to be looking at going into the presidential uh, uh, campaign year He said it'll be it's going to be nuts in the election yep. of 2024 so Merrick Garland doesn't do anything after uh, Georgia you know this is all just kind of a joke you know that you know he's going to let off yeah the, i
1: still the, the i still have hope that they're they're I, I have hope that they're dotting all their I's and crossing their T's. Let me uh, let me get to some more callers yeah, too. Okay, hey, Dave. Anyway.
5: Be well. Thank good you.
1: Go. Thanks. Go. Thanks. Go. Take care. Let's see if Mirna is still on the line, real quick, and see if we can get her on. Mirna, are you there? I am hey, here. Thank you. Hey, what's on your mind? Uh, you mentioned about
4: someone asking of how do we deal with uh, the racism and stuff like that. One thing right. that I suggest I mentioned before. Racism comes from ignorance of other cultures, right? I have a friend who made it a point at the time. They only had a little girl, but now they have a little boy. Uh, he and his wife would set aside one evening at dinner to explore other cultures and they would assign their daughter to read up on a different culture. She would pick it. She would read about it and then they would order or they would cook food from that country. So that she could learn about other cultures, not just about her mom's side or her dad's side. Again, oh. if you don't know people, you assume things. Right. Just like we see people on, we see a bunch of guys on motorcycles, we assume that they're gangbangers. Right. I have friends who are in a motorcycle gang. Half of them are part of the Chicago Police Department. The others are in construction and automotive uh, jobs. None of them are gangbangers. But a lot of people thought they were when they first came together. They saw them. They assumed the worst. When they started hanging out with them, they learned that these guys were actually pretty awesome guys. Learn about other cultures. Learn about what your kids are being exposed to and your grandkids, who they're hanging out with, what their friends are thinking also. Because we have a tendency also to say when something bad happens, we say bad parenting. Parents can't be with their kids 24 7. Right. Of course. Kids are easily, you know, they get peer pressured into thinking and doing things that they weren't taught by their parents. You have to spend more time with your kids because that's where they learn all this good stuff and all the bad stuff. You don't take time yep. to teach them the way, you don't know which way they're going to go. And you're going to end up with people like Ken.
3: So,
1: well said.
4: That's my input yep. on that.
1: Appreciate yep. it, thank Learn
4: you. About other Thank you. Bye
1: bye. Th- thank you. Yes, learn about all the coaches. I agree. The food, the traditions, the people, all of it. Thank you so much, Mirna. Uh, let's take a break here. We're going to check in with our friend Kathy O'Neill to talk about the New Hope Community Food Pantry. Uh, Jim and Brian, if you wouldn't mind holding on a little bit, I will take your call right after I talk to, to Kathy, if that's okay. Talk to you, everybody in a moment on WCPT eight twenty Heartland Signal. We're driving at home till seven with me, Patty. New
0: information, explosive new information. It's how every day starts. The need for information. Info you need from Santita Jackson. Weekday morning starting at 6 on WCPT 820. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820.
1: We are driving at home. I want to thank my sponsors. Before we continue, uh, our sponsor, of course, Minacqua Brewing. Uh, go, you can go to our Facebook page and find out where you can pick up some Manaqua Progressive Brews. And we also want to thank Kids Above All and Warren Price from European and U.S. Car Service. I want to turn our attention right now to how we can help people in our community as we head into the holiday season. Kathy O'Neill from the Irving Park Community Food Pantry joins us. I misspoke with uh, one of their partner's names, but uh, it's all for a good course. Pause. Hey, Kathy, how are you doing tonight?
6: I'm good. I'm always happy to be back on your show.
1: Oh, I appreciate it. I'm sorry I couldn't be in studio. I realized I had to run out here to, uh, I have a comedy show in St. Charles after this. And I was like, you know what? It's going to be too hard to do everything. Um, but I want. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Um, first of all, tell us a little bit about the Irving Park Community Food Pantry. I know you guys did so much incredible work during the pandemic, and you're continuing to help those who need it the most. Tell us a little more.
6: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we've been around for 38 years in the community. We're over at uh, 4256 North Ridgeway, and we serve the 60618 and 60641 zip codes, but we don't turn anyone away. Um, And what we started out was a church in the 1970s um, decided to deliver groceries to individuals who needed it. And by the 80s, several people started to help the church with their efforts um, and it kind of turned into the pantry, which has been around, uh, like I said, 38 years years. Started out with the basics, which people you know, always think when they think of a food pantry, which would be canned goods and boxed foods. But we have a toiletries area. We have our own garden. We partner with other community gardens to get herbs, vegetables. Um, we have expanded um, into, we receive um, hygiene products from the Period Collective in Chicago because those are items that aren't covered by SNAP benefits. So we're a little more than just the canned goods. Um, we have a social worker on duty and just an amazing Amount of volunteers, some of them who joined us, like myself. I started um, probably April 1st, 2020, um, and so did a bunch of other people who stuck it out. But we also honor our other volunteers who have, some of them who've been with us for 30 years or more.
1: It's a lot of work and a lot of people with uh, just big hearts. And I also see that you guys collect uh, pet food because a lot of folks have to make that tough choice between feeding themselves and feeding their pets. And sometimes they'll make the choice, you know, it's their family member, too. Uh, So you've got a lot of partners in regards to that, don't you?
6: We do. We team up with. Uh, we get a really nice grant from uh, the FDC Foundation, which is a family foundation, to supply um, to supply what we don't get donated. We also um, get many generation uh, many generous donations from Pet Supplies Plus, um, Petco. So we have. Um, we were one of the first pantries to have a pet food corner, and a lot of others we're seeing it now, and it makes us happy because you're right. Sometimes people will make that choice, and you know they're going to choose their animals. Um, and our animals are important to us. Um, so we're very excited to get things like litter, um, food, even things like a cat condo, and sometimes even things
1: like Halloween costumes for our
6: pets.
1: (laughs) Oh, cool. And we are heading into the holiday season. Tell us a little bit about your holiday drive and how people can get involved.
6: Yeah, sure. We have um, many specific drives that we do during the year, and it starts usually in September. We do a school supplies drive, which is awesome. And then um, we go into our. Um, we just had a coat drive where we, I think we probably received and donated um, more than a thousand coats. Um, and that wow. was from really uh, probably about seventeen partners in the community having drop, box, drop boxes. That was everything from. JT's uh, Sandwich Shop or over at Percolator, um, the Irish American Heritage Center, just putting boxes out and us spreading the word. And we were able to even give some people two coats yesterday. So we're Thank heading you. into the holiday season with our stocking drive. Um, and this will probably be, if things you know, continue the way they are, this will be the last one that's virtual and where we'll go back to in person where families can come in and cho- choose a toy. But for now, what they can do is they can visit our um, website at www.irvingpark food irvingparkfoodpantry.org and look at our wish list and there's amazon and target and so when families come they get a stocking and it will have a gift card in there but it'll also have some toys and things like that and then in the spring we do easter baskets um so yeah we do a lot of specialty drives just to um around the holidays just to help you know what some folks just can't you know afford for their families so we try and uh, um, help them out there
1: So, in addition to uh, maybe going to the website, and again, we are uh, talking about the, I'm sorry, I've lost the Irving Park community food pantry Community food pantry it's a yes (laughs) i trying to find all my notes i uh so in addition to donating i'm sure people you know this is a time of year where you know people take stock they do some introspection and they think you know i you know i'm doing all right i'm i have a home i have food i don't think i don't worry about it you know what can i do to get out there and connect with people are are there any in-person events that people can help out with
6: absolutely we're always over at the um, independence park uh, uh farmers market during the summer and we we did the hot dog fest uh at six corners last year and that was a wild that was so much fun so people can the ways that people can help us are to donate money or food organize a drive in your community if you're involved with a school or a church or a civic group share our news Um, on our social media platforms, volunteer, and educate people about what a food pantry is, that it's a little more than canned goods and that people can, um, you know, we're we're providing healthy food. We get some really great donations from Whole Foods every week. We're a partner of the Greater Chicago Food Depository, so we'll receive as many as, you know, 10,000 pounds of food per week. Yesterday, we served 90, 398 people and 116 families. Um, so, but we have great support from places like uh, Percolator, um, just a, um, Jet's Pizza on Irving Park, always looking to donate. So, yeah, any way, any way people can help would be to start by visiting that website, www.irvingparkfoodpantry.org. And looking at the ways you can get involved, um, we just we always need the help.
1: I, I believe it, and and one of the the, the things uh, that people should be aware is I mean we know that families struggle you know th- the the fact that you're you're helping support three hundred over three hundred kids in the community have a healthy meal when we talk about how you know how do we get kids uh, you know on the right path that's the mo that's that's number one isn't it is a nutritious diet.
6: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, being able to eat before you go to school and you come home, um, very important that we provide not just um, things like spaghetti mac and cheese, but meat, fruit, dairy, bread, vegetables, things like yogurt. We have a really good partnership with Lifeway Kiefer who donates um, throughout the year. So it's important that you know people know that what we're giving out is nutritious too. Um, it's it's just part of a, a plan to to help any way we can, but also make it be good choices. Um, One of the things that we love tomorrow night uh, up at the Jewel at Six Corners is Mount Olive Church is doing a drive for us where they'll be sitting out front. And when people go in, they can purchase things like cornflakes or something and then come out and put it in the bin where they'll be collecting out there. So you're buying at the store and they're bringing it out and donating it. And last year they filled a whole van.
1: So that goes from 6.30 to 9.30 tomorrow night at Jewel at Six Corners. That's tremendous. And you mentioned something about the uh, fresh fruit and and meats and things like that. During the pandemic, uh, you know, our friend uh, Jerry Walski was making deliveries of uh, of apples and and, uh, peaches to the pantries, like just big boxes of it. And the gratitude, because it it is harder sometimes to get that fresh fruit and vegetable and and meats, I would imagine, right?
6: It is, yeah. And, um, you know, during the pandemic, um, I'd say probably in the last three years, we've only had to close one time. And that was because on um, July or January 1st last year, uh, there were some fireworks that went off in a bin and we had a little bit of a fire. So, but we never closed our doors during the pandemic and we don't plan to. I mean, going forward, the need is bigger than ever. um, But yeah, it's important to to stay open and stay there for our community, not just with food, but in support so people can come in and learn about um, how housing and rental assistance, um, Medicare benefits, and things like that. So it's just important that we stay open so that um, our community can be safe and fed and um, anything we can do to help them.
1: Well, we've talked a, a lot about how people can donate and support the work that you do. I also want to be mindful of people who maybe are, are like, "Well, how do I qualify? What do I do to maybe, maybe I, I have I'm short one week or I need connection to services? How do folks uh, come in? Because there's there's still like some shame sometimes, isn't there?
6: Absolutely, absolutely. We have um, our. Uh client resources coordinator um, on duty, Um, and also people can email and say, you know, I'm not sure where to go, Um, and we can provide resources or have them come in and meet with us. Um, We're also very connected with the community as far as um, we did a lot of work during the pandemic with Avenue Mutual Aid and Irving Park Mutual Aid. So a lot of times if we had some extra food and they needed it, vice versa, they could help us out with some volunteers, they could come in their truck. Um, So it's definitely a collaborative effort. But yes, we want to make sure people know that we're not just there for food, that if they They've got some some questions or some resources that they need. Um, it's confidential. You know, they, we we definitely will help them, and and we don't want people to feel shame. Everybody, I've gone to a food pantry. You know, I've needed it, and it was my time to give back.
3: So, oh.
1: And I know that you've done so much uh, great work over at the Irving Park Food Pantry. And uh, and, and there is, I mean, it, it, it happens to all of us. You know, there's there have been times when I've had to, you know, when my husband lost his job and we had to make choices that we didn't think we, we would be confronted with. So please, folks, if yeah. if you are struggling in any way, if you need food, if you need services, if you need to feed your pet... Uh, if you need toiletries, as uh, as Kathy mentioned, you know, uh, whether it's diapers or tampons and pads or, you know, some of the Absolutely. other uh, personal projects, I have to ask you, Kathy, it's been kind of remarkable, some of the, like, little pop-up, um, you know, cabinets that people are putting on their front lawns. That's been kind of crazy, yeah. wonderful and crazy during the pandemic, isn't it?
6: Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I just was amazed to see what people did when they had to. Um, yeah. I knew it was there all along, and people just wanted to help, and... My <laughs> like boyfriend would come home and it'd be tripping over a thousand maxi pads on the porch, and I would be leaving <laughs> stuff out for somebody to come by, and it'd be like a ham on my porch. <laughs> right. Um,
2: but
6: yeah, uh, it was like the the love fridges are amazing, and sometimes we would go down to the love fridges and stock those. Um, right. Just so many people in the community looking to help, and we reach. You know, all we can do is ask, and generally nobody ever says no. <laughs> yeah. No. Nope. I agree. So, um, So, yeah, one of the things we love to see is when um, a community will do like a drive um, in their community. So, for instance, if it's like Lane Tech Girls Soccer or something like that, that's just so invigorating also to see that's our future. These are, these are kids who are going to be taking over for us. So we're always really excited to see, uh, Riley Elementary School gave us 150 million pieces of candy the other day. So, what? <laughs> they did like a, yeah, cause we, you know, what they did was it was leftover from, I'm exaggerating sure. on that number there, don't, you know, but, um. <laughs> it was left over for Halloween and we bagged them up and at Christmas time, they'll go, you know, to our clients. Some of the you know, adults like it too. Um, but sure. yeah, so it's really good to see the some of our elementary schools and some of our sports teams, um, uh, yeah, just different. um Like I said, we ha- we, we team up with uh, Carlson Community Services has the Three Brothers um, Garden and also uh, Merchant Garden. Those are local uh, places that provide us with vegetables and herbs um, and so motivated us to start our own garden this summer. And we teamed up with the Avondale Gardening Alliance and they gave us some seedlings and some herbs. So it's just such a great community. It, it's great to see all that's happened. I mean, I certainly, you know, didn't feel I fared well during the pandemic, but one of the important things was for me to get there every time they were open. I had to be there. It became a part of my life. And now I'm on the... I'm on the operations team there. I won a Greater Chicago Food Depository Pandemic Hero Award for my work there, Um, and I'll never stop. Um, I'm just going to just keep asking people for things and (laughs) see if they'll give them I'm starting to shake people down, Tony Soprano style. I'm like, you
1: will get some tampons, (laughs) but no, it's people people want to help, you know. And congratulations on your honor. It's, it's well-deserved for this award as well. And let me ask you, you know, having gotten involved during the pandemic and you said that you, they hardly had to shut down only one time do you feel yeah. that like now everyone's got the like the resources in place and they'll know what to do if they ever have to i'm, I'm sure that this this has also challenged and uh the it's Irving really f-
6: hard to say you know right? i That's mean such unprecedented times like we just even the way we pivoted we went from letting people come in in march to the building to april where it's still 30 degrees having to uh bring food out to people you know right. um and people couldn't choose anymore so that was hard so you had to make an effort yeah. to drag the to bag the day before and to bag as many as 200 bags and try and make choices for people. um, But they couldn't come in. So if something like this happens again, I don't know that we would, I don't know if we'd be prepared. I know we'll be ready to step up like we did this time. So will everybody. Like I said, I believe it was there all along for everybody. We just, um, we just had to find it, you know.
1: Again, we've been talking to Kathy O'Neill from the Irving Park Food Pantry. You can go to IrvingParkFoodPantry.com dot com and uh, find out .org. more there how to donate. Well, it says here dot com. When I tried dot org, you know, it's, <laughs> it didn't work. Okay, it's yeah. We yeah. we, we see. it seems that we've got two domains. Um, which is, okay. Folks, Let me see if they go. both work. They might <laughs> both work, but dot com works too. Um, yeah, in, f- in fact, we are Unless- we are launching our new website in about two weeks. So,
6: um, but you oh, know, I one of the both one things we're yes. looking ahead to is uh, Giving Tuesday. Is at the end of the month. Um, our, but you know, it's just a really good time for people they want to help during the holidays as well because we know how hard it can be um, for families to try and have something festive if there's not a lot of money. So, yesterday we gave out uh, roasted chickens, uh, turkeys, hams, and all the fixings for a Thanksgiving dinner, and we'll do. That, again, as it gets closer to Christmas for three, three weeks straight, we'll give out um, food so that if people wanted to, you know, have a holiday meal, um, you try and pair it from everything from the, you know, the turkey or the ham to the potatoes, the sweet potatoes, the, you know, the, the fruits and the vegetables and even some desserts.
1: Outstanding, And for folks who want to find out about the hours, again, that it is both work, IrvingParkFoodPantry.org. Uh, the the yes. pantry is located at the Emanuel United Methodist Church at 4256 North Ridgeway. They're open every Wednesday morning from 9 till noon and uh, the second mm-hmm. Tuesday night of every month from 6 to 7. You can uh, donate through this website. Go to at the IrvingParkFoodPantry.org. Or you can mail the check to Irving Park Food Pantry, 4256 North Ridgeway Avenue. Chicago, Illinois six zero six one eight, and for those stockings with the gift cards, so the deadline is Monday, December twelfth. Kathy, what else is there? Anything you want to make sure you told us? Because I I know that sometimes people have notes and they're like, I got to get to this. Please don't leave anything no, on the no, table. I think,
6: yeah, I think uh, I think that's it. I think you know by visiting the website, it, it'll give you an idea of how you can help because we say you know I, we also just. It can help if you just share, if you just share our posts and spread the word about what we do. Um, if you know some, if you have some neighbors and you haven't seen them in a while, I'll check on them. You know, if you know some seniors who you don't think are getting out a lot, we um, or you know some folks who you know, are retired now and want to volunteer and they're not sure what to go, where to do. We have so many, so many great age ranges at that. Some even during the summer, sometimes people will bring their kids, um, you know, just check with us. But we love to get all age groups. But, you know, check on your family, check on your friends. If you think they need something, please go, you know, find out or have us um, have us help. Have them give us a call and we'll see what we
7: can do.
1: Thank you so much for that reminder and for all the work that you and everyone at the Irving Park Food Pantry do. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again soon in studio. I'll get you back in as we get closer to Christmas, too. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye, right, Kathy. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll take your calls. I know that Jim and Brian are on hold. And I look forward to talking to you. If you want to give us a call, 773-763-9278 is the number to join us. And we'll be joined by Representative Stephanie Kifowit after 6 o'clock. You're listening to Driving at Home with me till 7, Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820.
0: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. There's
1: so much that goes on behind closed doors
0: on WCPT 820.
1: But we're not behind closed doors. We are on the air on WCPT 820. We're driving it home till 7. And I want to thank my listeners who've been hanging on the the line to join our conversation. Let's get to uh, Brian first. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind, my friend, and Joliet?
7: Uh, Well, I just wanted to agree with you on uh, what in disagreeing with eric zorn about the importance of uh reporting on things like swastikas and nooses for two big reasons and one is the right to know i want to know i want to know these things that are going on and that outweighs any i I think outweighs the fear that oh we're going to encourage that behavior but there's an even
8: bigger reason
7: why we need to report on it and that's that the The gatekeepers are gone. The gates are down. Whether the Sun-Times reports on it or not, those things are going to be splashed all across social media. And there's going to be misinformation and rumors, and it's going to feed on itself. And the only way to combat that is by responsible journalists reporting and giving accurate information to combat that misinformation
1: yeah i'm I, it's funny because i i uh I've had a little bit of a back and forth with Eric on something else uh that he had brought up last week and the because he had wanted to know more about a story and, and so i was I was curious as to like <laughs> like the selection of what we needed more know know more about and what shouldn't be shared or elevated or amplified. And so I was struggling with this today as he was talking, and I was like, okay, um, right. And and that's why, you know, when you talk about uh, mass murderers or serial killers, uh, you know, it, it is – while I know that that's uh, – uh, some people are thrill-seekers or they're they're drawn to, like, the macabre and things like that, and, and those stories affect me personally, um, I, 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 I wish that people would look more at the families. But the fact is that in a situation like well, – people do want to know more about that. They seek it out. It's obviously – told because it, it makes a lot of money. This story about uh, these gravestones that were desecrated, that were vandalized with swastikas and Kanye was right and all these things, I, 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 I think we should know that there are people like that in their communities. And if it encourages someone to do more of that, then let's catch them all. Right? Oh, yeah. I agree it's, totally. Let's expose more of it. Yeah.
7: And I, I don't yeah. think the idea that, say, oh, I'm, I'm going to shoot a school up and, oh, no, they're not going to name my name on, on in the Sun Times and on the CBS Evening News. That's not going to discourage anybody. And secondly, again, they know their name is going to be splashed all across social media. And that's all that matters today. Today, people want to be TikTok famous, Instagram famous, YouTube famous, Snapchat famous. They don't care about the Chicago Sun Times.
1: Right, right. I agree. Well, thank you for that, Brian. I appreciate it. I I I think it's something that uh, we need to be aware of. And so that we can be vigilant and and, and note behaviors or, you know, maybe it's someone who had a camera somewhere and said, hey, this happened, you know, maybe because that 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 cemetery has homes around it. Like, I know that not everybody wants to have a camera and, uh, you know, that's another level of privacy. But in this situation, it might be helpful to see what was going on in the middle of the night or whenever this happened in the cemetery. If they didn't know what happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great Have a great evening. Thank you. And let's get to Jim, who's also been on hold for a while. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind?
8: Hi, Perry. All I can say is go into an anthropology class and turn in a paper for replacement theory, and you'd be bounced right out of that class. It's, it's absolutely absurd to talk about... And we're all replaced eventually. All of us. Are replaced. <laughs> That's it, a good it, point, it, Jim. It, yeah, when we when we shut our mortal coil, I there'll be a better man than me walking here. I just wanted to say, talk about mental health. <laughs> we're talk about mental health. Louis Gomer, talk about evolution of man. <laughs> Louis Gomer is going to take over the investigations in the House. He's going to start with uh, the bodies, of course. Then he's got the. Afghanistan, he's got a series of, things, you know, important things you got to get to, Louie to to about evolution, replacement. <laughs> but anyway, the uh, fact that these nuts are going to uh, rain down on us for uh, two years, you know, with uh, every idiotic thing they could possibly think of to do. And in the meantime... It'll stall uh, important things like health care, mental health care, uh, helping the homeless. So that, that lady got, uh, the, uh, the Bass, uh, Karen Bass got elected in L.A. you know, for the homeless. She's going to put 17000 of the 40000 in the homes with transaction tax. I think that's a marvelous thing. But... As far as uh, these Republicans in just gonna be havoc for two years. Yeah. The news, it's gonna be Louis Gomer uh, who's completely nuts that nut from Ohio he's got his you know, his, he can't put his jacket out apparently. Something must be wrong with his abdomen, abdomen or something. He can't get his jacket <laughs> so He's gonna be on and it's gonna, it's gonna be a fiasco. You know, it's going to be fiasco, but they're 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 shooting, they're they're doing themselves in with that nonsense because uh, that doesn't fly anymore. It just doesn't fly. You know, but we'll see how long it lasts. <laughs> as far as replacing people. I mean, how ridiculous! That's a ridiculous thing.
1: Yeah. Right. I, I know yeah. I couldn't believe yeah. I was hearing it, and and I mean I don't know if you agree with what Mirna and I felt when he's like you know well don't be surprised when we call you out on what you're trying to do, and it's like I don't think I like the tone of this conversation. It's like it was it was ominous. Well, I think and I was, think it, Steve Bannon. I don't know anything about Steve
8: Bannon. In fact, I went to grocery store. And I got kind of longer hair, and younger groceries. Oh, Steve, you look like Steve. I said I look like Steve Bannon. You got to be out of your because You know your hair. Your hair, you better look at Steve Bannon, but your hair is like Steve Bannon. But I, I was like, but he's the one that, that forced that down everybody's throat. Isn't he the replacement theory? Isn't that his big theory? I know he was in front of the Rome, in front of the Pope, trying to explain to the Italians they're going to be replaced. Right. I mean, it's, it, it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. We've gone from Neanderthal to Homo erectus to Homo sapiens. And God knows we might be replaced. Homo sapiens might be replaced by. A bigger, better bottle. I don't know, but I right? mean, it's, it's, you know how absurd it is. I mean, if you study the anthropology, you realize that we're uh, going through an evolution constantly. Anyway, but I, I wonder know,
1: what, what. I wonder I, when this. Uh, I wonder at what point we evolved. This need to preserve like a way of life, right? Whether it's because of religion or like imposing our ideas and traditions on other people, and and we're afraid. I I wonder where where that comes from, you know? Because it's this rigidity. It's dangerous. It was never. My my right-handed cat.
8: I don't. I don't recall ever uh, being in a group of people where we said, "Oh, that group is no good. This group is no better." I've never, never, I've never experienced that, uh, even in my own family. We invited anybody in for Christmas, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, my sweetheart and I had illegal aliens over for Christmas. I didn't care sure if they came from the moon. You know what I mean?
4: <laughs> right. Have a, beer and, relax. Yeah. You know, have a yeah. beer and relax. You know what I mean? Have a beer and relax. Uh, yeah,
3: have a beer We're and all here relax. for the ride. No.
8: <laughs> yes, yep. You better believe it, kiddo. Anyway, you have a great show tonight, Peter. You're not to out there St. Jasmine. Thank
1: you Take taking thank- my by call. Bye bye. Thank you so much.
0: You're listening to WCPT eight twenty because facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Masek on WCPT eight twenty.
1: Hey, hey, I, uh, I made a phone call to my good friend, Representative Stephanie Kiffewitt, who I had scheduled on the show. I was like, hey, uh, I'm going to be at the Arcata Speakeasy. Can you be there in 15 minutes? And she's like, well, wait a minute, what? <laughs> representative Stephanie Kiffewitt joins us on the line. Uh, she is the representative of, hold on a second, I'm going to get it. What? I can't find the number. With 84th District Representative Stephanie Kifwit is on the line. Hey, how's it going, my friend? How's it going with you? I'm okay. I uh, was telling the audience earlier that I, I had a massive migraine this morning, and so I'm still kind of recovering from that. So my apologies. I was not able to organize my day and share information in a more timely manner. No. You mean you're human and stuff comes up? Imagine that imagine that so let's uh let's start with the uh very short uh, veto session we talked to jeremy gormer you guys were in springfield um let me i know that it, you know veto session is kind of wonky anyway and there's not a lot right now people are focusing like on the uh you know the safety act and things like that but let's talk about how the energy uh, post-election was it nice to gather with everybody and kind of revel in uh so many great success stories across the state of illinois
9: Oh, it was a lot of fun. And then we had some uh, newer members that came down just to observe and be on the House floor. And it was fun to uh, talk to them and introduce them to people and um, just marvel in the the Democratic successes. As you said, um, you mentioned the Safety Act, and there's a lot of fear mongering, a lot of misinformation with regards to the Safety Act that I think that. Uh, Voters are just smarter than that. And that that didn't stick. And um,
1: Democrats won whole handedly in Illinois. It was amazing. Well, and here's the thing. From my perspective, and knowing you for the last six years, you are one of the most uh, practical legislators that I know. You want to. You are. You're kind of a information, facts, and stats wonk. You know when. You know when I came down there to talk about funding for programs, you're like, okay, yes. Yeah, so and now we have to talk about how we're going to fund that, and here's what the deal is, and this is how we need to get there. So, what are your thoughts? You know, you are somebody who has been in the military. You. You know this idea that Republicans somehow are much stronger on safety or patriotism, it doesn't hold water when it comes to getting to rolling up your sleeves and doing the work. So tell us a little bit about your perspective on the Safety Act.
9: Well, I think, and and I do a Facebook Live every Monday morning, which we talked about the Safety Act multiple times on my Facebook Live. Um, the Safety Act, in a whole, in a whole, has multiple components that are very beneficial from mental health uh, support for our officers. To uh, limiting um, the type of military excess uh, weaponry that uh, police officers can get. I mean, like, they can't get uh, army tank, you know, <laughs> and, uh, to um, being heavily supported by domestic violence advocates because it protects our victims of domestic violence.
3: So it
9: is disingenuous to people that say, throw out the Safety Act because there's a lot of good in the Safety Act. Now, when we talk about pre-trial detainment and bail, that's where um, the Safety Act was morphed into this bill that enabled uh, every criminal on earth to go out of the jails, which is completely false. And that's not what the bill does. Um, I've had several attorneys come up to me and say, uh, if you have enough money, like Bill Gates, you can create any crime you want, and you won't be in any pretrial confinement because you can just bail yourself out. Right and when I was right. an alderman, yeah, and when I was an alderman, we had seen uh, gang members get arrested and then be out the next day because the gangs have cash on the side to bail out their members. So um, you can be charged with murder and have enough money to bail out, and then you will be out of pretrial confinement. That's what we have right now. Um, What was in the the Safety Act with regards to elimination of bonds is that it creates a status of threat to the community or to a person, and it creates this review process so that if Bill Gates does something horrific, guess what? He's not going to be able to get out of pretrial confinement because he's a threat. It doesn't matter how much money he has. If, you know, hypothetically, now I'm not being disrespectful to Mr. Gates, you know, I'm just saying, hypothetically, somebody like him that has a lot of money does something extremely horrific under the the parameters that we voted on, they will not be released. Domestic violence perpetrators will not be released no matter how much money they have. Um, and that's a better system than the system we have now. That being and, said, it is right. clear by the misinformation campaign that was out there, that we need to make sure that everything is crystal clear, that the act is strengthened and crystal clear so that there is no misinterpretation on January 1.
1: And that's and that's what a lot of people, you know, want to address or some of those things. And what do you think about these lawsuits by being brought by, uh, is it states attorney, deter- no, it's a... Uh, Tell me about these lawsuits. There's like, like local attorneys that are are filing suit, aren't they?
9: Well, I'm not a lawyer, but um, in my non-lawyer opinion only, because I think that that they're not they're not going to prevail. I mean, it
1: just I, I don't understand the parameters in which that they are. Right. Chal- are they are they they're, challenging the? They're saying it's unconstitutional. Is that what they're they're alleging?
9: They're alleging um, what's called the single source document, which means that you can't have multiple subjects or single subject doctrine, which means you can't have multiple subjects in one bill. You can argue that all the all that was in the safety bill attributed to um, crime, to um, police and to, you know, that subject matter. So, I mean, that's that's what they want to. But again, what are they what are they in court for? Because they're in court to say that the Safety Act had multiple subjects in it, so they weren't all thrown out. So that means that they they want to, they're in court right now, to nullify a bill that protects victims of domestic violence. That's, that's what they're doing. That's what these people are suing for, to nullify a bill that protects victims of domestic violence, that provides for more training for mental health for our police officers and provides for more training overall so that we have better police officers. That's what they're suing for. That, that, that's what they body cameras. There is a mandate to make sure that everybody has body cameras. So they're suing to allow police officers not to be mandated to wear body cameras. That's what they're suing for. That's that's what people I think need to understand is that they're looking to nullify that whole all that good that's in that bill for, in my opinion, political points and fear mongering.
1: And I also let's let's focus a little bit first on one of the things you've, you've said. So many things I want to uh, address because I think it's important for people to know, because they only have that one thing locked in their head about you know people getting out and they're dangerous. Uh, first, let's start with uh, with mental health support for police officers because this is something that we talk about, and and there is uh, you know there, there's a challenge within police departments, uh, you know whether and I know I've talked to some CPD officers who are very passionate about like like let's you know anything like let's treat it like a like a dental exam you know you know cops have to come in twice a year just like just check in and say hey is everything okay kind of a fine tune but but everyone does but a lot of police officers seem to be uh weary of you know taking advantage of mental health services because they're afraid something will go on their record is there anything that addresses at least that element to it as well or what are some of the, the specifics you can share with us about the mental health support for police
9: well, I think one of the things that we have heard about um, police, uh, you know, and this does carry over a bit to the veteran community as well, but that police were um, concerned about losing uh, their ability to own their firearm and getting uh, negative consequences if they seek mental health services. And so we right. addressed that. So now not all officers might realize that we addressed that, but we did address that. Um, the second thing that I think is something that we can't legislate, but you just picked up on, is peer to peer to support and peer to peer encouragement. Officers need to encourage other officers to seek health, and and they they won't be punished. They're, they won't be punished, and we have a lot of uh, mental health uh, supports in the bill, in the Safety Act, and in other bills. So they won't they won't not be a police officer if they get mental health counseling and they they'll be able to keep their firearm um you know if they go in and they get they get the help that they need but again it's this culture it's the same with the military culture it's this culture of you know we're not gonna show a weakness we're not gonna reach out for help we're gonna go it alone which is kind of contrary because in the military you you don't go along you got your battle buddy with you all the time <laughs> But um, so that's what I touch on. And I I applaud the police officers that are going to speak out to their buddies and say, hey, you need to get some help or let's talk. Let's do some peer to peer counseling. Um, And peer to peer
1: isn't formal. It's a little bit informal.
9: There is formal peer to peer structured programs, but also informal peer to peer structures are so important as well.
1: And you also mentioned uh, the idea that we need to uh, not provide military-grade equipment to police departments. Uh, In what ways is it just they're just not able to use funding for that? It's barring them from that? I mean, and do we have police departments that have already made those kinds of purchases in Illinois?
9: Um, I don't have that data with me. But I know that um, we did have a list of about seven um, items that, because the military will sell surplus. To police departments if they need it you know and and that's uh that's a longstanding thing uh but there were some things that we put in the safety act that um that were deemed well you know a little bit too military for the for the police department and um, i don't have the list that's directly right. in front of me but it's um you know i believe and uh, you know, I believe it's like, you know, like I said, like a Sherman tank, <laughs> you know, I mean, right. you know, a Sherman tank, you know, I mean, you know, those kind of things they are common sense things. So, but we put them in the, into law to make sure that, um, that it's, it's in there. Um, one of the things that, that I often say is that we have a definition in the safety act of, of deadly force and some parameters around deadly force. And, uh, in the military, you're, as I was in the military, I was in the Marines, you're trained that if you are um, engaged in a situation where deadly force might be, you, we have guidelines in the military of when to use deadly force or not. So even when we're training and we are training to protect our country, we have guidelines and um, parameters with regards to using deadly force in the military, so it's not a stretch to have those definitions in a state law for our police as well.
1: Right. Do, would you mind stay, staying on the line and joining me for a, another segment after a break? Sure. Sure. That's Excellent. Fun. That'd be great. And we were ta- Thank you. I appreciate that. We, again, we were talking to representative Stephanie Kifwit. She represents the 84th District of Illinois right here where I'm sitting and uh, I, I, is is the arcata in your district? No, I don't I don't represent uh, St. Charles. St. Charles. That okay. area. I'm just I'm not far from you I don't think. We'll figure it out sometime. No, no, no. <laughs> 20 minutes.
3: 20
1: minutes. That's not far at all. 773-763-9278. If you have any questions for the rep, feel free to call or text, and I will try to share them with her. More in a moment on Driving at Home with me, Patty Vasquez, on WCPT 820.
0: Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter.
7: Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural, grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the
1: same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern Rogers Park, and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly.
0: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host, Patty Vasquez, and joining me on the line is Representative Stephanie Kifowicz. She represents the 84th District, uh, and I, I want you to know that uh, I'm so proud of you and excited for this next uh, session for you. I know that the veto session is going to be a little short, um, but tell us a little bit about what you're looking forward to. As you, you're you like a senior. Are you in leadership now in the in the General Assembly? No, no, I'm not in leadership.
9: You
1: should be. I, um, I prefer to being the
9: rank and file. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I like well, being with the rank and file folks. And I think that with uh, the new, the, the plethora of new people coming in that we need some uh, more experienced, I don't say senior, but more experienced uh, <laughs> representatives to, to help them out. So, uh, so I'm, I'm happy being a rank and file
3: person.
1: Well, and it, it makes you more accessible, and it doesn't. And there isn't that sort of like aura of, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's it's great that there are young people. You mentioned that some of the new electeds came uh, down to Springfield yesterday in the last couple of days while you guys were convening. Um, so it, that's something that a lot of folks are talking about. There were a couple of races that were surprises, weren't there? That uh, that folks did not realize were in play for Democrats. Wasn't there at least one or two?
9: Oh, well, um, Chris Boss's race. I mean, we have the yes. youngest Muslim, uh, woman coming in. So, um, that's just exciting. Um, uh, Nabella, I believe is her name. I apologize if I didn't get that correct, but, um, we're really excited about her coming into play. And then, um, just up and down, we were surprised that, um, Matt Hansen beat leader, um, Keith Wheeler mm-hmm. Keith Wheeler had been established and, you know, and so there were quite a few upsets, um, up and down the ticket. And so up and down the state. So it was really exciting. We did lose, um, uh, representative Greenwood in, in Southern Illinois. She lost her race to a Republican and she's a very wonderful person. Uh, and she will be missed. But then we had, you know, pickups throughout the suburbs, which was amazing. And um, I think still waiting to be called is the, um, the race uh, that leader Deanne Mazaki of the Republican Party is, is currently trailing by a little over 300 votes, but the, that race hasn't been declared yet, so we don't know how that's going to turn out.
1: I, uh, I I also wanted to make sure that I, I uh, discuss a little bit of the issues that are, are near and dear for you, uh, um, including uh, the safety and well-being of our veterans. Uh, you know, and we I, I should have had you on for Veterans Day, and my apologies to you. Um, it was, uh, just one of those, uh, it got away from me. But here's the thing, we can celebrate on Veterans Day, it's what are we going to do every single day of the year going forward, right? So tell us a little bit sure. about some of the, the things that you, you work on and you would like people to know about as far as resources for our veterans. Well,
9: first and foremost, um, I just encourage veterans to make a relationship with either a, a state veteran service officer through the Illinois Department of Veterans Affairs or a county veterans assistance commission. Like King County has Jake Zimmerman leading up the King County Veterans Assistance Commission here. Uh, establish that relationship and just have them, um, even if you don't think that there's anything in your record, have them do a cursory review of, um, of your record. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't cost anything. And um you know that back pain you've always lived with your whole life you know might have been documented in your record and you've forgotten about because it, it was so long ago. so um, so establish that relationship, and now, since the PAC Act was signed into law on the national level, that helps our um, you know desert storm operation uh, enduring freedom and 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 that era um of veteran that had the burn pits and all these presumptions now is into law. So they should go back to their veterans assistance commission or your Illinois State Veteran Service Officer and get a review. Because um many people were impacted by the burn pits, um, serious health issues from those burn pits and the federal government should um allocate the resources that is that is um what has been
1: earned it's not charity it's what has been earned and our veterans have to realize that great that's good information to have we also have a listener uh who would like to join the conversation in regards to domestic violence uh dina is calling in from chicago hi dina what's on your mind
3: uh yes hi i was calling because uh i I heard her talk about domestic violence i know uh Domestic violence, a lot of times people uh, act out because they've been abused and growing up. And also, I think they should get some type of help while they're in jail, you know, like if they're domestic violence. Or, and also, uh, when people kill somebody, usually, Illinois, if, if somebody kills somebody, they, they usually raise their bonds so high where well, they can't even get out of jail. So I don't understand why I heard a lot of this stuff going on while they was, uh you know, like when they was doing the, the ads and stuff for the political campaign saying that all these people's out of jail. But I've been in Chicago all my life, and I noticed when people kill somebody, they bond be too high, they can't get out of jail. That's why the judge raised the bond high, so they can't get out. Now, when people get out, that's because they have a lot of money. They have a lot of money. Then one more thing I wanted to say. I think the police should sure why body cameras, because they would tell, like— you can see both sides of the story with the body camera. Right.
1: Right.
9: Oh, please, Rep, I, please want body cameras. Please please, embrace body cameras, just for that reason. There, there's many police yeah, officers yeah, that want body cameras.
3: Oh, okay. I thought I must yep. be still saying that they don't want to wear body cameras. And,
1: and in oh, regards to the... On. Yeah, no, they, they do. Yeah. And and, uh, and there were actually several law enforcement that worked on the original bill for body cams several years ago, weren't there, Rep?
9: There were, there were. What I mentioned is the people that are suing to overturn the Safety Act. They are suing to reverse all the good that was in the Safety Act, which includes body cameras. That's the people that are, oh, okay. are right now suing uh, to reverse all that—that—that that, that good that was in the in the Safety Act. That's—that's what I said. I apologize if I wasn't clear. But um, oh, there's okay. a lot of good in the Safety Act, and people that are suing to to reverse that are suing. Oh, no.
1: potentially reverse by him Thank you so much for oh, calling, no, Dean. Thanks. I hope that helps a little bit.
3: Yeah, that's a help. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay. You too. All
1: thank right. you so much. Day. Have a great evening. And uh, Representative Kifowitz uh, will join us again. She's uh, one of our favorite guests on the show. She represents the 84th District in the Illinois General Assembly, House of Representatives. Rep, where's the best place for folks to find you and join your uh, weekly coffee, coffee chat with KIF?
9: Uh, on Facebook it's I L District spelled out eighty four. So I L D I S T R I C T eighty four dot com. is oh, the website skinny. and on Facebook it's I L District eighty four just in general. And every Monday morning from nine to ten Um, You know, I give updates and updates that people don't even realize. Like I gave an update about how low the Mississippi River is and how that's affecting our commerce and our barges, because some of the barges are getting stuck in the sand. Um, You know, I talk about how Illinois has uh, a larger yield per acre of corn than Iowa. Iowa has more acres, but we have a larger yield than Iowa. I mean, so I talk about things that the average person might not even know about is going on in Illinois, uh, just to make them, you know, proud of the state that they live in, and and uh, proud of everything that Illinois is doing, and we're going in the right direction.
1: I appreciate all the information you share with people and keeping them informed. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you again very soon. If I don't talk to you before Thanksgiving, which I hope I do, have a wonderful Thanksgiving, my friend.
9: Yes, you have a great Thanksgiving, and thank you for all you do. Um, you know, we need to make sure that news is credible and is is. Um, you know, true. And in in this yeah. time and space, I appreciate every everybody in the news sphere that um that strives to make sure that people are well educated with the truth. So thank you for that.
1: Thank you so much, Rep. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you soon. And we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to talk to our friends from right beside her. And uh, we're going to talk about their celebration they have coming up. We're going to talk to Katie Morgan in just a moment. After this, I'm driving it home with me, Patty Vasquez.
0: Tune into the Tom Harmon Radio Program, your home for news, opinion, and insight, right here on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Because facts matter. You are listening to WCPT 820.
9: On January 6th, 2021, followers of Trump and something called QAnon attempted a coup at the United
4: States Capitol. Who are these people?
1: I want to live with the QAnon. I'm so glad that uh, Andy played this because that's Steve Goody from his album, What I Did During the Pandemic Vacation. And and he'll be... uh, um, Steve Goody and I and Bradley Tassel will be on the air tonight, well, online, live streaming our comedy show, the Virtual Comedy Show, at virtualcomedyshow.com. That's at 8 p.m. Central. And live, I'm going to be at the Arcada. I know this all sounds confusing, but I'm at the Arcada Speakeasy with our live show at 7.30, along with Matt Doris and Eric Nicole Clark. And one of the great things about my career, stand-up comedy led me into radio. And years ago, I had the pleasure of uh, featuring a lot of local businesses around the Chicagoland area. Area. And joining us now to celebrate, their, to talk about their eighth celebration, is Chicago's original cidery. We have Katie Morgan from right beside her. Hey, Katie, how are you doing tonight? Hi, I'm great. How are you? I'm very well. I'm sorry we, we can't do this in the studio, but someday we will reconvene. And uh, But I'm excited for you guys. I want to read everybody the uh, page on your website, if I could just be dorky for a second. Boy meets girl. Boy makes cider to woo girl. Now he's right beside her. Right beside her. What started as a romantic gesture grew into Chicago's first cidery, owned and operated by a local husband and wife team. Small batches, small business, and a t- ton of love sent your way with every sip. What a beautiful page. You guys are amazing.
2: Thank you. Thank
10: so sweet. you. Yeah, my uh, my husband Charlie made me a heart cider as a gift, um, and then I had to marry him.
1: <laughs> that was that was the deal. I, you, I want to drink this for the rest of my life, and I want to make it for others. How cool! Well, Katie, first of all, where where are you from originally?
10: I uh, grew up in Seattle, but I lived in Chicago for about ten years now. And my husband Charlie uh, is born and raised in the city.
1: Okay, what brought you to Chicago originally? Um,
10: just fun, honestly. I, I I always was intrigued by the city, and the second I landed here, I knew that it was going to be a special place. I didn't know I was going to be here. You know, I didn't know I was going to meet my husband and start a business and live here for 10 years, but I'm obviously thrilled that I did.
1: And how did you meet him? Uh, so a
10: mutual friend. We just met, and we were all in a big group of friends, and then that kind of turned into more than friends with the cider so that um it's the story of our business.
1: How sweet. And so was was cider like a thing that you would drink when you would go out and he's like, I'm gonna make this woman a nice cider.
10: Well yeah, so he was a professional beer brewer. Um, and I think he thought it was strange that I was never drinking beer, especially the beer that he would make. <laughs> <And> so uh, <laughs> I love cider. I, I spent some time in the U.K. I really loved it over there and came back and couldn't really find anything that I loved. I love cider that's on the drier side, nice and clean and crisp. And, and he surprised me uh, with one for my birthday. And the rest is history.
1: That's fantastic. And I, and I love your uh, page that uh, Charlie is the worker bee and you're the queen bee. Um, oh, and I didn't realize that you, so you studied in Cambridge. This is where you fell in love with cider? Yes. Oh, cool. Were you, so you were studying abroad? Yeah, I was
10: actually studying history over there. And then huh? um, I, I had a friend introduce me to cider, and I just fell in love. And then Charlie and I were actually lucky enough a few years ago to go back and spend some time in cider country which I would highly recommend to everyone so we've had some some great experiences over there
1: oh how neat so now you're coming up on your uh, your 8th anniversary where was your first location for uh, where was was this made out of like your kitchen and then you had to find a space tell us a little bit about this journey
10: yeah so we we always knew that we wanted to start our own business and so we were in a shared warehouse space just north of chicago in Lincolnwood in a really, really tiny spot that just fit a few tiny pieces of equipment. And we self-distributed out of a yellow pickup truck that we got on Craigslist. And after doing that for a few years, basically going door to door selling our kegs, we were able to sign on with the distributor, move into our our uh, our new space, which we've been in for about six years. Now we're in the old Schwinn bike building. It's just west of Logan Square in Hermosa. It's on Costner between North and Armitage. Our production facility is there, and our site, our catherine is there as well.
1: So, so where can people are, are your uh, ciders available in uh, in some of our favorite liquor stores around the city and grocery stores?
10: Yes, so you can get everything at our tap room, of course. Uh, our tap room is open Wednesday to Sunday, but you can also get it in your favorite spots around the city. Um, everything from little local bottle shops like Beer Miscuous, Bottles and Cans, Bitter Pops, um, to your larger stores like Binny's, Whole Foods, Jewel, um, and a lot of other neighborhood spots. We're in a ton of bars and restaurants as well, and um, we're excited more and more to be on a lot of different menus.
1: That's awesome. I love that. So you have this event coming up for your celebration. How can people celebrate with you?
10: Yeah, we we would love for people to come to our tap room. We're having our eighth birthday celebration. Uh, It goes all day from when we're open from 2 to 10. We have eight of our ciders on tap. Some of those are, are ones that we distribute throughout the state, but some are tap room exclusive that you can only get there. We have our Barrel Age series, and we have two brand-new flavors that we're going to be releasing. Our tap room is kid-friendly, dog-friendly, bring-your-own-food. It's a really fun atmosphere, and we hope that we can celebrate with everyone. There are so many people that have supported us and helped us for eight years, and we just want to say thank you and have a great day.
1: And I love that you're in the old uh, Schwinn building, too, by the way. I, this is one of my dreams is to be able to find like a cool old building how, how much I have to imagine the work that went into turning this into your cidery, was it was was it a, a tremendous amount of rehab uh,
10: yes so there <laughs> it's actually a really really big building there are a few other businesses in the building out the um, in order to build our cidery and tap room. Yeah, definitely a lot of work. It's been a labor of love. Our We started with just the two of us, but now we have a, a bigger team and they've been instrumental in our, um, our, goals. and we're just, we're really lucky. We have so many good friends. We have our families and friends have been so supportive. The neighborhood, the Hermosa and, and around Logan square has supported us so much. And, um, you know, we we were just in Illinois for the longest time, but we just branched out to Michigan. We're now in New York and we're actually international now as well we're in japan hey what i know Congra- <laughs> congratulations
1: <laughs> that's so wild congratulations
10: I, I, would never, I would have never thought that somebody would be drinking our cider in tokyo but it's it's really cool and i i can't wait to visit
1: oh yeah well you absolutely must visit here's a, a, a history degree uh you have is your undergrad in history and then you were studying grad or or uh what was your your focus for history
10: Yeah, my path is strange, so I just loved history, I still love history, but I ended up going to nursing school, I also have a cardiac nursing background, and now somehow I'm in hard cider, so my path was a little unconventional, I guess.
1: Well, hey, I have a history degree. I became a stand-up comic, a uh, radio host, and a policy advisor for our it. government. See? <laughs> yeah, oh, are you kidding me? A hundred percent get it. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm looking at your uh, another page. So one of my favorite things that I introduced our good friend Jerry Walski to was a uh, is a kind of a, a cider and Guinness mix. You know, we, we layer it. Yeah. This, the, so it's called the Chicago Black Velveteen. Oh no, this is yes. it's just Guinness. Is this a is this a restaurant?
10: No, that's. That is a mix of Guinness and our cider.
1: Um, the black, oh, so the, the Chicago Black Velvet. So it's specifically yours.
10: Well, it's it's, it's just a it, it's a drink, and we usually celebrate right. with that on Saint on Saint Patrick's Day. Um, we have a lot of you know we have other fun cocktails that we do at the tap room as well. We have our our muzzle of bees cider. Um, that's our Wilco approved cider. I don't know if you know that story. Oh, tell us. Okay, so uh Wilco is one of our favorite bands and Muzzle of Bees is the name of one of their songs. So Charlie reached out to their contact us on their website randomly at midnight one night and asked them if, if we could have their permission to use the song title and I thought either they just wouldn't respond because they're too busy or they would respond very nicely and say, you know, we can't we you know, we probably can't do that. We they probably get a lot of requests like that. But they were so nice said yes, helped us design the logo with their designer, Bridget Pearson. And we had some write-ups in the Trib about it. And um, it was, we still make it. It's, it's It's a hard apple cider, but we use honey from our beehives. We have rooftop beehives that are managed by an awesome local company called The Hive Supply. And it has elderflower as well. And a portion of the proceeds go to our beekeepers
1: that's wonderful. Oh, and there's and there's even more to the story. Your beekeepers, you have your own beekeepers. It's amazing too. <laughs> yes.
10: Yeah, and so that that cider is really is is really special to us. You know, it's a local cider, local honey, a local Chicago band. Um, so it's definitely a celebration of all things Chicago.
1: How wonderful! What a just a really wonderful success story, and I I love being able to catch up with you. I encourage everyone to go to rightbeeecider dot com. That's right b e e the, the bees. So rightbeeecider dot com. You can find out how you can you can order online, find out about all the events, and make sure you get out and celebrate with them this weekend for their eighth anniversary. Was there anything you want to make sure you shared with us, Katie?
10: Yeah, just uh, follow us on social media. Just write B cider on Instagram. Visit our website um, and just come hang out at our tap room. Like I said, we're open Wednesday to Sunday. Every Thursday night we have a ping pong night, and um, our spot is just a—it's for everyone. It's a really comfortable um, place, and we hope to see you this weekend. And we're—we we can't believe that we're eight, and we can't wait to cheers to eight years with everyone on Saturday.
1: Excellent. Cheers to eight years. My best to Charlie. Have a great rest. It's Charlie, right? Did I get that right? Yes, that's cool. right. <laughs> like, I had so many pages open on my face on page. <laughs> my, my best to Charlie, and it was great catching up with you, Katie. Have a great evening, and Thank again, you. happy anniversary birthday. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Let's uh, take a break here. 773-763-9278 if you want to give us a call. Don't forget, I am in St. Charles at the Arcata Speakeasy. Man, the room is filling up. I hope they're all here for the comedy show. Otherwise, it's going to be awkward. <laughs> it's always weird when people are having a dinner and all of a sudden a comedy show starts. So uh, hopefully they, they know that they're here for, for me, Eric Nicole Clark, and Matthew Torres. More after this on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal.
0: For accurate news coverage. I will tell you what Donald Trump is doing is not only an exercise in ego, but it's dangerous to the future of this country. Like you, the United States wants this war to end. The only country standing in the way of that is Russia. And factual conversations. The
7: Republicans are defending a system that is in place today that allows murderers and rapists and domestic abusers to buy their way out of jail.
0: Chicago's progressive talk.
1: The hospitality industry is at the top of that list, and I'm confident that this ordinance will help them.
0: WCPT 820.
1: Hey, folks, thank you so much for hanging in there. We've got uh, 10 more l- minutes left of the show. There, I wanted to let these guys know we're in the uh, Harlow Room at the Arcata Speakeasy. And, uh, we'll be upstairs. You guys can hang out. Uh, the Arcada Speakeasy has an amazing venue with, with, uh, great food and cocktails and, of course, live performances tonight. We have a comedy show starting just in a little bit featuring me and Matthew Torres and Eric and Nicole Clark. So you still got some time to come out, out here. There's a few tables left, but we are also going to be at the Bourbon and Brass again tomorrow night. And we're going to be at, uh, well, there's going to be two shows. Uh, on Saturday night that I'm inviting you to. One is my show at Salerno's in Oak Park, produced by our good friend Paul Farvar. And I'm also producing the show here at the Arcata Speakeasy that will be featuring Adam Burke. And Eric and Nicole Clark. So, uh, some fun. I mean, I've met so many wonderful people at these shows. Uh, I'm just so excited to to be building this uh, sort of rotation of comics. These are comics I've met throughout my career. Uh, And the thing about being a stand-up is, many of us uh, might never be famous. Uh, You know, whenever you there's people often treat our careers like it's a hobby. If we're not famous, people will come up to us and be like, "So, you're still doing that comedy thing?" And uh, let me tell you, there are some incredible hard work. In comics that work in comedy clubs, they work charity and, f- and fundraising shows. They work corporate shows. They travel around the country performing in small towns, just like on a dance floor that happens to have a microphone. There are thousands of working comedians, and we're not all on TikTok. We're not all on uh, Jimmy Kimmel or, or Fallon. We are. Uh, we're just uh, slinging jokes uh, all over the country, and so. Uh, I've had a very long and fun career, over 20 years, and uh, I thought, you know what, I'd like to find some places where I could share this incredible talent with audiences in communities that uh, maybe don't have, you know, people don't want to drive downtown or to certain areas, And, and it also was a way for me to help. Uh, build up an audience for venues that were struggling through the pandemic. So when I reached, when it was Ron Onesty who uh, told us about his incredible event he had honoring nurses earlier in the year. And so we were talking, and he's like, hey, you know, what do you think about doing a comedy show? And I was like, that's exactly what I have in mind. So I partnered with Ron O'Nesty to bring comedy to a couple of his wonderful venues. We've also partnered with our friend Marcy at Tatas Tacos. Uh, we're just waiting for, for some permits, and we will be picking up those shows again very soon, I hope. And uh, but in the meantime, uh, this you know, comics were amongst the hardest hit as far as the performers. I believe uh, during the pandemic, it was very hard for any of us to get unemployment. Uh, it was very because we had to prove. Uh, work, history, and, you know, it, we're all independent contractors. Sometimes we're paid, you know, a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks a show to uh to entertain and for some people like oh that's that sounds like a lot of money for a half an hour but when you think about the travel the writing the prep uh the constantly looking for new stories and and new jokes to tell we are we work a lot and what you see on on stage you're not paying us for the 20 minutes the 30 minutes the 45 minutes on stage you're buying a a skilled performer who has crafted an act and is a professional. So uh, I wanted to honor the the industry that I love, and I also wanted to help build up uh, local businesses and uh, bring audiences back and give them a reason to visit. So that's why I, uh, I've been doing these shows, and I, I love that I get to uh, meet our WCPT listeners when I'm out doing these shows as well. Uh, it's been wonderful to uh, meet so many of you. So uh, please uh, come on out to some of these live shows. I'll also be... At the Laugh Factory uh, next Sunday. Um, oh, I'm going to be in Rockford. You guys, I have so many shows. <laughs> I'm going to be at uh, Francesca's in uh, in Rockford uh, the day after Thanksgiving, next Friday, and then that following Sunday, the last Sunday of the month, I will be at the Laugh Factory over on uh, Broadway near Belmont. So, uh, a lot of chances to get out and uh, and meet some folks and have some good t- uh, good laughs. Uh, and enjoy an evening out. I love the area around the uh, around the Laugh Factory. It is, uh, there's a lot of great restaurants. And that theater that the Laugh Factory is in, my parents actually used to uh, go on dates there when it was a movie theater. I became a headliner there when I started uh, my show. I did a one-woman show called Pregnant Party Girl back in 2003 when I was pregnant with my son Griffin. And, uh, that's when I launched, uh, doing solo shows. So hopefully, uh, in the next few months, I'll also be taking, uh, Sometimes Mommy Swears on the road. I also want to thank, uh, our friends from, the, I haven't talked about this, but I worked with the, uh, Midwest Easter Seals and did a presentation for them about the, uh, just the, the path of being a mother of a child with significant disabilities and challenges. And, uh, and the response was wonderful. And hopefully we'll, we'll get a chance to do some more of those. In the meantime, of course, we have so many stories to talk about, in the, you know, when it comes to politics, you know, Nancy Pelosi announcing that she will not be seeking leadership uh, now that uh, the Democrats no longer have the uh, have have the majority uh, in the House. Uh, we're, oh my, by the way, the, do you guys know that the, the count for Lauren Bobbitt's race has still not been called and it's still very, very close. They're within, it's, uh, oh wow, cause before it was more, for there to be a recount, there has to be a point five. Uh, within .5, and they are now only .2. So it looks as though uh, they will be going to a recount, and I'm hopeful. About, I mean, no people did not think that that was even in play. So Lauren, Lauren Bobbitt's uh, race in Colorado is either going to be uh, called or it's headed towards a recount, and right now it looks as though it's going to be uh, a recount, and uh, and it, it is, you know, she's lashed out at her party, saying they didn't uh, they didn't invest any money in her race, uh, whatever the reason. Uh, I, w- how nice would it be to take that seat? Uh, that district is red, and has even gotten redder. They uh, redistricted it and made that that uh, area even more red, and people are forecasting that she will probably win, but. The Colorado had a pretty significant blue wave, and uh, and which even spilled over into Bobert's district. And a lot of Democrats won big ticket ticket races, whether it was for governor and for Senate. They won a lot of competitive House races, and uh, there was a newly re- uh, created eighth district. They flipped seven seats. In their state legislature, gave, giving the the state GOP the smallest minority it has ever had, and Lauren Bobert has said that uh, Bobert, sorry, not Bobbitt, uh Lauren Bobert has said that uh, it's because they didn't have a good uh, top of the ticket candidate to running for governor. So it'll be interesting to see how it's. Uh, Annie's telling me it's a five hundred and fifty-one vote difference. Wow! See, I mean, this is this is pretty close. They're still saying it might go to her, but we'll see. There and they're going out and they're asking for volunteers to uh, go door to door with uh, people who voted to cure their ballots. If there was anything questionable, they want to make sure ballots have not been thrown out. Uh, so this is a this is going to be interesting. This is a, a one to watch too. Fingers crossed. I mean, I know that it's a a slim chance, but hey, we'll take it. And of course, Jim Jordan today coming out and saying that uh, expect very uh, lengthy investigations into Hunter Biden. Uh, They man, they've been chomping at the bit for this, so we'll see how that unfolds uh, unfolds as well. James, representatives uh, James Comer and Rep. Jim Jordan, who will be uh, on the, uh, they're going to chair the oversight and judiciary committees. They, uh, they say they have, they're going to lay out the evidence that they've gathered from whistleblowers. Man, I hope that this just uh, implodes gloriously. So those are some of the things that we'll be continuing to talk about. Uh, tomorrow we're going to check in with our friend Mike Crowley and uh, get some movie reviews. And, of course, talking to you, having conversations, as we always do here at Driving at Home. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you, Andy and Matt back at WCPT. We're going to sign off right now. Have a great evening.